Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, teaching pastor Chad Brugman has part five of the Lenten series, Less is More. Campus pastor Trevor McDonald has the introduction. Hey, today we continue our series, Less is More. And before I bring uh, Mr. Chad Brugman up, I want to give a quick announcement. Um, one, we are going to have a family meeting in the middle of May, so be uh, uh, stay tuned for that. If you are asking any questions of what's going on here at Four City Church, there's a lot going on always, and it seems like some things always change and shift. And one of these key areas that I want to announce today for all of us to know is that we have officially uh, have we officially now have Chad Brugman on our teaching team here for Four City Church. I know maybe it seems like. He's coming a few different times. You're like, is he like just the crazy uncle that shows up once in a while? Uh, yes, but he's officially on our team and uh, we're so grateful for him, his voice. I know many of you, every single time he's up here to speak, it's like, man, I love that guy. He's so great. Uh, he, he connects with our, our campus well. He's definitely a part of this church. I know uh, Chad and I have known each other for over 20 years. Him and uh, our lead pastor, Eric Parks, have known each other well over 10 plus years. Great friends. So we're so grateful to have him part of our family officially. So would you welcome Chad Brugman to the stage as we continue our series, Less Is More. How are you guys doing today? Good? I just woke up happy. I wasn't super happy yesterday driving here from O'Hare because it was in the snow and it was just, we had to go like 40 and I have a lead foot and I don't ever drive 40. And so I was just not happy. And then, you know, and the sun came out this morning and I had a little time with Jesus before I got here. I just feel good. And I just got tons of faith and expectancy for what's going to happen in the next few minutes. I just believe that with all of my heart. And the reason I have so much faith is because I just have such a deep understanding and conviction, conviction about how much Jesus loves you guys right now, right? Like he does not want to waste your time this morning. And so I'm going to do my best to not waste your time either. I do have to say this because I was just compelled by it this morning as I was walking in. Can we, can we do something? I'm going to ask a favor of you guys before you walk out of these doors today. Will you, if, if you can remember, will you make it a point to find at least one volunteer? Most of them will have these like lanyards on with the uh, four city logo. Would you just thank them? for whatever reason, whatever, uh, whether it's them getting your coffee, being out there in the parking lot with those amazing orange suits, waving you guys in and smiling and saying good morning, uh, whatever it is, people greeting you at the door. Uh, I get here before most of you guys get here, and when I'm here, there's already a bunch of volunteers here super early in the morning, and they're not just getting their departments ready, but they are praying for you guys. And they're talking about scriptures together and they are getting excited to serve you guys so that you can come in here and be able to worship as comfortably as possible and without distraction. That's what they're here for. And they're volunteers. They just do this out of the kindness of their heart. And so would you just, if you can remember, uh, I'm going to do the same as well, but would you just thank anyone with a lanyard on that you see on your way out? Because uh, I don't think we uh, talk about them enough. And I want to make sure that today we do that. We good? All right, let's pray. Let's get into it. Jesus, we just love you. And I just thank you for your goodness and I thank you for your kindness. I thank you 
for your love for us, how much you care for us, Jesus. I just pray that in these next few minutes, you would be so glorified by the words that come out of my mouth because of what you've put on the inside of my heart. Jesus, um, I just pray that you would speak powerfully today with deep conviction and deep compassion. We would hear it, we would receive it, and we would walk out of these doors and live it. Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. And everyone said... Amen. So we're in week, I think, four or five. Uh, I can't keep track. I'm not good with numbers. Week five of this uh, Less is More series. And um, for those of you new or visiting, uh, there's this thing in the world of Christianity that's been going on for several thousand years now called Lent. And we decided this year, although it's not a typical thing that happens a lot in evangelical spaces, uh, that we would take Lent really seriously. And we would spend six weeks on the front end of Easter really being focused and gearing our heart on the cross of Jesus Christ and on the death of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to spend the second six weeks after Easter just completely celebrating and focusing on all the implications that come with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I said it last time I was here, I'll say it again. You cannot fully worship Jesus the way he deserves and appreciate the resurrection and everything that comes with that resurrection if you do not take time to soberly think upon and dwell upon the death of Jesus and the cross of Jesus. So we're taking not one week, but we are taking six weeks in this series called Less is More. And so to go where I'm going today, I thought I would pull out to start this really obscure verse. Probably most of you have never read it or, or heard it. It's this tiny little verse in the book of John. It's John 3.16. You guys uh, ever heard of it? I think Tim Tebow wrote it. I don't know. It says this. Most of you could quote it by heart. It says, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. That's what we're going to talk about today. He gave. We're going to talk about generosity today. We're not talking about money. We're not trying to raise money for a building or anything like that. You can take a deep breath, relax. We're good. We're going to talk about just generosity in general. It is the essence of who our God is. And because we were created in his image, we can quickly and easily deduce that this is what we were created to be. Generous for God so loved the world, and that includes you, right? The world sounds so big and overwhelming. No, that's you, one person at a time. The God so loved the world that he gave his one and his most precious, his one and only son, that whoever, I love that, whoever is a big word in that sentence, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but be resurrected, have eternal life. And at the expense of sounding cheesy or a little bit silly, I wrote this in my notes. I said, Lent is brought to us today by generosity. Lent is sponsored in a lot of ways by the generosity of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 puts it this way. This is so important. It says, he, Jesus, being in the very nature God. Okay, think about that. Let's not go over that too fast. Jesus, being equal to God, in the very nature God. Listen to this. Listen to his attitude, his posture. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But instead, Philippians says, he took the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself, taking the very nature of a servant, and then it says he became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. So if we were titling this uh, weekend's message, it would be this. It would be death to mine, to me, 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 death to mine. If anybody in the world was entitled 
to his throne and to stay on it and to have good and just reason to just stay on his throne in a, per, a perpetual uh, place of peace and shalom up in heaven, it would be Jesus. If anybody had the right with full integrity to say, I'm not going down to that crazy little rock called earth with those crazy people on there. No, they've, they've lost their minds down there. It would be Jesus. And none of us would have anything that we could say against him for staying on that throne. But because we serve a God who in his essence is at his core generous. He doesn't have to try to be generous. He doesn't have to, like us, work on generosity. It's not a spiritual discipline of his or a practice of his. Generosity flows out of Jesus as naturally as breath flows out of us. You guys understand that? It's just who our God is. And I can't think of a more generous thing in the history of the world than what we just read. For God so loved everyone in this room that he literally came down here, put on an earth suit, subjected himself to all the chaos of this crazy world, and he got up on a cross, became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. And John 3, 16 says the whole motivating factor of this type of generosity was how much he absolutely loves us. So we're going to talk about the death in our life as we're, we're sitting in Lent, focusing on some things in our lives very practically that need to die, the death to mine. Let me, let me give it another word to wrap around this when I say death to mine. I'll say it this way, death to one of the most toxic things that the human soul can carry, and it's this, death to entitlement. If anyone was entitled to that throne and staying on it, I said it before, I'll say it again, it was Jesus. But you cannot have entitlement and generosity in the same space and anything work. Those two do not play well together. So we're going to talk about this very, uh, this very nature that we're prone to, to, to grasp to things, to have a tight grip on things. It's usually not because you're bad people or don't want to be generous or I don't want to be generous. It's usually because of this thing we call fear, right? So it's a death to entitlement. I, uh, when my son, my oldest son, he's 16 now, but when he turned 11, he did something that was very difficult for his mother and I. And some of you parents, you're veterans, you've long already done this, but we sent him for the first time for six days off to camp in the summer. Any of you guys remember that when you did that? When it's your first, especially, like it was super hard on Rachel and I because we had never been, I don't even think, two days other than when he was with his grandparents away from my son. And me and my oldest son, we are so close. And so this was incredibly hard on me. I had a lot of anxiety. He was thrilled to go. He couldn't wait. One thing that helped me a little bit, because you guys know I'm a foodie and I'm gonna talk about food somehow, some way in every sermon I ever give up here. But one of the things that helped when we signed up for this camp was they said, hey, you're gonna get this wristband. Your son is when he's there. And when you guys send him off that day and drop him off, you can go ahead and come give us some money and there'll be a barcode on that wristband and you can put up to $50 on there and basically it was for snacks and they wrote us and said, hey, you won't need $50, not even close for snacks, but we just want you to know you can put up to $50 on there on snacks and because again, I love me some snacks, I put the full 50 on there, right? <laughs> And then we had the talk with Jude, my wife and I, and we've been trying, and some, some seasons we get it right, and some seasons we don't do so well, but we've been trying to instill in our kids from birth a spirit of generosity, and there's only one way to do that, right? They gotta see their parents living it and being it, and it being authentic. And so we had this talk with Jude. We said, Jude, here's $50 on this barcode for snacks, but don't you dare spend $50 on snacks. Well, his mom said that I was kinda like, do what you gotta do, bro. <laughs> 
I, I knew what I would have done as a kid, <laughs> but, but, but his mom's like, you do not spend these $50. But we said, here's the deal. There's going to be uh, several kids that come to this camp that aren't currently in a financial blessed place like we are. There's going to be some kids at this camp, Jude, that are going to be on scholarship. That's the only way they got to come to this six-day camp. And they're not going to have maybe even any money on this barcode, if not just a little bit of money. So here's your job, because my food, love, and heart can't handle a kid at camp without money for snacks. That just breaks my heart. So I said, your job is to use some of this $50, is to find a way to, to find some kids that don't have the ability to get snacks. And you start using your barcode, not just for your snacks, but you start using your barcode for their snacks, okay? And he's like, all right, and he got it. He goes through camp. He comes home. It's all done. I said, son, how did it go? We were debriefing. He's like, went great. I go, how, how did you do with the $50 on the barcode? He's like, well, I spent $35 of it, dad. I go, that's a lot of snacks. And he goes, I, I promise you, though, I, I got some snacks on that uh, for some other kids. So, so we're good. I said, sweet, where's my other 15? Just need, just need my 15. He goes, well, I don't have it. I go, what are you talking about? What's going on here? He goes, well, I gave it the last day at the chapel service. I gave it to the charity that they were talking about. Right? Uh-huh, right? But here's what I could have thought, and I did not think this by God's grace, but here's what as a parent I could have thought. I could have said to him immediately, no, you didn't give $15 to charity, son, the last day of camp. Mom and I gave $15 to charity the last day of camp, and you didn't consult mom or I. What were you thinking? That's our decision to make because it's our money that you were using, right? But come on, dads, you guys know this as father's heart because we, we are microcosms, dads, of the father, Right? So, so you get this instantly. I didn't think that at all. It didn't cross my mind. You know what all I thought was as a father was, I am so proud of you. You got snacks, you shared snacks, even more importantly, and then when you had surplus, what'd you do? You gave it to the charity. Like, what a, what a good week for him. And I, I was so proud, and, and this is the father that we serve. This is the same feeling. You want to talk, it's, it's so beautiful when we worship God in song and we are genuinely pouring. I love being in crowds where we are all together genuinely pouring out our hearts to God. I love the moment before I get to get up here and preach. It's so sweet. But I can't imagine too many things sweeter to God when you take something precious that is yours, hard-earned, hard-worked-for stuff, and you share it with other people. Good old-fashioned sharing, right? I, I love it. But, but, but that's just one of my four kids, and, and, and I think my four kids represent all of us how we walk in here today when it comes to the tight fist sometimes we hold with money. Because uh, I, I put, oh, go ahead, just do this. Put up this picture of my kids. This is a little dated because they're older now, but that was the age my son was when he first went to camp. Uh, clearly, that's on the 4th of July. We're not crazy parents at Justin. Like, I mean, we love America, but not like that. Like, I mean, that's, that's the 4th of July. So that's my oldest son, Jude, right? And they all, all four of them came from the same womb, but have completely different approaches to sharing. Like Jude, he's the pure-hearted kid that gives to charity, right? We talked about it. Then my one and only daughter, Jane, look at her, fight the power. We're in trouble. God help us. Jane would have done this at camp at this point, and I know because she's been since. She would have got the $50 on the barcode, she would have uh, got 10 snacks, $10 worth of snacks the first night, rationed them under her bed for the whole week, and came home and asked to cash out the other 40. That's what she would have done. Very fiscally responsible. But a lot of that is birthed out of fear, not faith, right? Not stewardship. It's, it's fear. My, my son, 
who's now uh, 10, Ben, in there in the middle with the guitar shirt on, he's, he's me as a kid. He would have taken the 50 the first night, and he would have blown it all right away and ate himself so sick we would have had to come and pick him up. I guarantee because that's what I would have, that, that's who Ben is, right? He would have got there and been like, hey, what, a, what do we got here? How much do I have on my thing? You got $50, son. Okay, well, give me 20 on Skittles. Uh, give me 10 Snickers bars. What do you got in the way of Sour Patch Kids? Like, like, yeah, give me the rest on that. And just a, and then Cruz, he's two at this point, mean mugging over there. Look at that kid. Cruz, at two years old, clearly hadn't been to camp yet, but here's what I know. One of the first words in his language at the age of two, and some of you with two and three-year-olds, you'll get this, that he said with such passion and such conviction all of the time every day was this word, mine, (laughs) right? And when he had something in his hands, no matter who he got it from, no matter whose it was originally, the minute it touched his hands, it was mine, and you're not getting rid of it, getting it from me. And if we we would take it from him, he's hitting the floor. Go And don't parents act like your kids are all great, too. They're not. (laughs) Just hitting the floor. Mine, 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 mine. And you're like, right? Like, where does this come from? And and two-year-olds, supposed to be so innocent. Where does that come from, right? You ever thought about that? I'll tell you where. It's from their moms. (laughs) My wife's not here to defend herself, so I'll get a cheap one in. Now, Forest City, this is just what we're born into. There's this innate, natural fear that we are born with because of the fallen nature of humanity that we were never designed to hold on to. There's this thing in us where one of the first words we will ever consider learning in our vocabulary is this word mine and to cling to things. And when you're two, it's funny. And it's cute. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's just two. But you know when it's not cute? Is when you're an adult. And although you may not hit the floor and do that, if we're not careful, we can still, and most of the time it's not because you're bad human or not wanting to be generous. It's because you're scared, because this life is crazy, and because we've been conditioned from birth to hold on to things as tightly as possible because who knows what's going to happen the next day, right? And that's just the problem is you're not living by faith. We don't live by fear. We live by faith in the provision of our God. And so I want to, I want to do this. I want to go to a passage of scripture where we see adult, an adult acting like a two-year-old. And he's in complete mind mode. And I want us to listen to what our rabbi, what our Messiah, I want us to listen to his response to it, to see how serious death to mine, death to this idea of holding tightly to things is. It's, it's, it's here. Someone in the crowd said to him, meaning Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. You hear it? Mine. Jesus. We had a death in the family. Me and my brother got some money coming. Could tell him to divide the inheritance with me, right? Mine, mine, mine. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? She's like, I'm not trying to have these arguments. This isn't what the human spirit is supposed to be all about. Then Jesus said to them, here's his warning to to them and to us. Watch out. Says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Life is not an obsession with how much 
you can get on the barcode of the wristband of life, right? He says, that's not what life is about. And so he goes, okay, I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to tell him a parable. So he tells him this story. He says, the ground of a certain rich man, this guy's got some bank, all right? The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, I want you to look at the words that I've highlighted in this. So he thought to himself, it's about who? Him. You're starting to see some entitlement come in. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Ooh, that's called a good problem, right? But do you notice what he says? Whose crops? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't know you created the sun and the rain and the seeds and the soil and everything else that goes in to you having a harvest in the first place, more or less too big of a harvest to know where to store it. He goes, I don't have a place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what who? I'll do. I will tear down my, here he goes again, my bar- your barns. I'm sorry, I didn't know you spoke wood into existence. I'm sorry, I didn't, your bar- okay, your barns. And build bigger ones. And there I will store, here it is again, ready? My surplus grain. Let's just stop there for a minute. And can we just remind ourselves, if you want to walk in the spirit of Christ, in the spirit of generosity that we as his body are called to walk in. And listen to me, guys. This isn't like a like we need to be more generous. This is like we get to be. You're, you're walking in more of a fullness in your life when you carry that spirit that Jesus carried, when he did not consider equality. There was no entitlement in him at all. Equality with God, something to be grasped. But instead, he says, how can I serve? How can I take the nature of a servant? And this is where generosity goes out the door is when we, if we're not careful, we start to buy into this lie that, that we're just a product of our hustle. We're just a product of our hard work. And listen, hard work glorifies God. We were, we were meant to work. And we know from the fall, work's going to come through some sweat, through some thorns, through some thistles. So it's very easy when you work hard and then there's payoff for it. It's very easy to start getting a little bit uh, into yourself like this guy is. Did you hear all he's thinking about is himself? And he's taking credit for his crops, his barns, his surplus. And the key to dealing with this type of spirit, the spirit of entitlement, is simply always coming back to the fact that every breath we breathe is a miracle and a gift from God. The psalmist said, let everything that has breath praise God. It doesn't talk about if life's going good. It doesn't talk about if you have a surplus or a lack of surplus. It doesn't talk if you have real big barns or real tiny barns or no barns at all doesn't talk about what kind of crops you're getting that year, what kind of harvest 2022 was for you. It just says, if you are breathing, praise God. Because if you are breathing, God has an incredibly divine reason to keep you alive and have you here. It is for a purpose, and God will always back up and take care of you when he still has a purpose for you. And because you are breathing for a city, God has an incredible purpose for you. But it's this mentality, my crops, my barns, my surplus, listen, the, the spoils of the kingdom of God, the things our heart really desire will come to the people that constantly remind themselves, everything in my possession is on loan from God. It is a thing to steward, not a thing to own. I don't own a thing. 
You would think, well, yeah, you own your car. Yeah, you own your house. Yeah, you own your whatever. No, 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 no. I don't own a thing. All of those, including, and this is cheesy again, and, and we sometimes use this as cheesy. Well, our children are not our own. You understand that? God has allowed us in his grace and in his gifting to steward being a parent. But how often do we parents, and I'm guilty here. This isn't me preaching at you. This is me preaching with you. How often are we guilty of putting so much overwhelming control on our kids? And it's, again, you love them. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're fearful. And you start to hold tightly to their lives. You start to, to, to helicopter them. You start to overwhelm them, right? I'm, I'm guilty of this all the time, and my heart's good there. But, but God's going, there's a better way. But what you have to understand is that those kids are my kids a million times over more than they're your kids. If you think you love those kids, mom and dad, you should know how much. For I so love them, I died for them before they were even born. Knowing everything they would do right. Knowing everything they would do wrong. Knowing everything in between. Knowing the rebellious streak they'd go through. Knowing the seasons of being prodigal children. I died for them. And the same is true for us as parents and future parents. Greatest thing we can do as the body of Christ is to wake up every day and see everything we possess as a gift. Because when you start to truly believe that everything you have in your possession currently is a gift, whether it's a little or a lot, it's easy to think, it's easy to pick on the rich people, right? I love when sports guys move teams for a better salary and everyone on the team they were once on is so mad and saying all these things against them. I'm like, you are so amazing with other people's money. You are so noble when you're trying to steward, right? Like, am I the only sports guy in here who does that? Like, they leave my team and I'm all mad. I'm like, you just sold out for money. And I'm, then it's like, what would you have done? It's like millions of more dollars that team was paying you. And you're acting all noble, right? Because, no, it, it, generosity is a spirit that has nothing to do with wealth or poverty. It has to do with the human heart. This is, you'd think, well, this guy's rich. He could be more generous than everyone. This should be easy for him because he's got big barns and he's got a surplus and he's got all that stuff, right? He's the one that's struggling here. Generosity has nothing to do with how much you have or don't have. It has to do with how you feel about what you currently do have and what you choose to do with it. And I think one of the highest attributes of a kingdom person living in the kingdom of God for the glory of Jesus is just a good old-fashioned share. Just a good old-fashioned share. People that just love to share. We, we've said this to our kids from day one because we've lived an incredibly blessed life since our kids have been born. Not easy, but blessed. And we've told our kids this lesson over and over. They could quote it to you if they're up here right now. We always say this one line to them. We say, kids, we will never apologize for the blessings that God has given us. But we will share them. And the minute we quit sharing them, they're not our blessings anymore. Like, kids, don't ever apologize. Go, like, be successful, kids. Do what you gotta do. Work hard. Earn a living. Do your thing. But you have to share because this is what the kingdom of God was literally built on because Jesus so loved the world that he what? He shared his life. He shared his blood. He shared his skin. He shared his body on that cross and became obedient to the point of death. And listen, something beautiful, it says, therefore God set him above everybody else. And now the earth is his footstool. You see what generosity does in the end? 
And I'm not saying how, how God's going to bless you. I'm not talking about do this to get a blessing. I'm just simply saying you cannot be a share and not walk in a continued future blessing. But it's always vulnerable on the front end of sharing. It's always vulnerable on the front end of being generous, is it not? But it's one of the most beautiful things that we do when we share is because we are putting a death to this mind mentality. And we're starting to recognize that if not for the creator of all things, I wouldn't even be breathing right now, more or less have a potential to build a bigger barn for myself. And this is the heart of God. And so we get this parable in, in, in the gospels that we just read from Jesus. And then I want to go to a church to give an example as well in the New Testament. This church doesn't get talked about as a lot because there wasn't a, a book written after this church. But in the book of Corinthians, it talks about a particular church. And this is the kind of church I believe we can be for a city. And I'm not saying we're not there yet, but this is what I want to preach us towards. This is what I want to remind us of. You show me a church that's got the same spirit of this church we're going to read about for a few minutes, and I will show you a church where the possibilities are absolutely endless for the presence of God to do whatever the presence of God wants to do in this place. It's a church called the Church of Macedonia. And Paul's kind of in a, in a sideways kind of way a little bit. He's kind of rebuking another church that was incredibly wealthy. It was kind of the bigger barn church. Just had everything under the sun, everything you could think of, everything that you need. And Paul's trying to juxtapose that church with, we're going to see here in a minute, a church that was in an incredibly impoverished situation. They had gone through, and I won't have time for the history on this one, um, but they were going through an incredibly difficult time, including difficult financially. Some of you, that's your story right now. But there's something about this church that just had the heart of Jesus and I want that so bad to be a church that, that, that for a city we are known for. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'll read verses 1 through 7. Paul says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Generosity cannot happen any other way than by the grace of God in your life. It is a complete act of grace when you are generous, when you are a share. It is by the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst, listen to this, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy. You don't assume in the same sentence you should say severe trial and overflowing joy, right? But this is what's possible in the kingdom of God. This is what's possible when you're walking in the spirit. In a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into what? Rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That's the grace of God. And, and here's what's cool. It was their choice. No coercion. No manipulation. No making everyone feel guilty to give more. It said entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us. Listen to this. I love this. For the privilege of what? Sharing. It just... Just take a minute for a second before I keep reading it. Go, where are you at right now? And this is, this is just a personal question for you. I, I just got to answer this for me and my family. But are you in a season where sharing feels like a privilege or like a burden? Because there's a grace for you that God wants to give you. He doesn't need any favors from us. He doesn't really need stuff from us. But your heart desperately needs to be a sharer to get rid of this mind mentality. My heart desperately need a, needs it. 
Anytime there's entitlement, it's never going to end well for the human heart. He says they pleaded, they were begging to give more. (laughs) He's talking about finances here in the church. I'm not talking about that this week. I'm just talking about generosity in general. It can be finances. We generosity of spirit. They pleaded for the privilege in sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And then listen to what Paul says. They exceeded our expectations. Here's how they did it. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. That's what generosity is birthed out of. That's where unentitled sharing spirit is birthed out of. It's a deep intimacy and understanding and love for Jesus Christ and knowing what he did for us on the cross. To to truly have a revelation of the love Jesus had for us on the cross, it's real hard to have that revelation and not become a sharer yourself because you just sit in this new wonder, you sit in this new awe, you sit in this new sobering accountability of how could I not give my life for other people when my Savior gave his life for me, when I least deserved it at my lowest point, when I had nothing on my resume that I could bring to the cross to have any part to play in the cross other than just receiving it like a little child. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then the natural progression of that was, then they gave themselves to us as well. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring to completion this act of grace on your part. He was talking about the giving part, but then he says this, he's just bragging on this church. And I want us to be a church like and I believe we, but since you excel in everything, this church is like the dream church. You're excelling in your faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnest, and in, in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And again, I'm not here, don't hear this, just financial stuff, that's not it today. It's not, not the talk for today. Just giving yourself away. Excel in the grace of giving yourself away for the good of other people. That's where full life comes in, guys. There's nothing better you and I can do this week in this week of Lent, and this is what I'm gonna ask us to do as a community. Think of the difference we can just make in this room so simply this week in our community, in our lives, our families, our friends, our coworkers, think of the difference if just the people represented just in the nine o'clock service could make if we all just said this week during Lent, I'm just gonna share something. And I'm gonna let it cost me a little bit. It might be time that it cost me. For some of you, it might be money that it cost you. Some of it might be time and money. Some of it though might be words. You know, one of the best currencies we have on planet earth is this thing right here. Affirming people, encouraging people. And what if you did that for someone that it's kind of difficult for you to naturally do that for? That's next level generosity. I'm gonna start speaking the love and the life of Christ over someone that I don't have the full love of Christ for currently right now. There's something so powerful in that. And in that generosity, something starts to come back to you. There's a lightness to the soul that starts to happen. There's a, as King Solomon put it in Proverbs 11, that he who refreshes others will what? Himself be refreshed. There's a refresh. It's like this ultimate win-win. That's what generosity is. It's the ultimate win-win. You're refreshing someone and in return, guess what? It refreshes your soul back. Think of this room for the next week. We just decided, hey, we're gonna all make a commitment this week in Lent to remember the generosity of Jesus that took him to that cross and to that death. That's what we do this week. We could, we, could, we could make a dent in this community for the glory of God in just one week by all saying, I'm just gonna do one simple thing, baby steps, guys. Because here's what I know, when you start to taste the beauty of generosity, it becomes addictive. 
Just like entitlement becomes addictive. Just like, just like holding tightly and, and having that mind, 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 mind. That, that's super addictive. But you know what breaks that? It's just baby steps in the directions of generosity, of giving your life away to someone. Think about that. And I promise you this, you don't even have to think about who. God will put someone in your path this week and you will just have that voice on the inside of the Holy Spirit going, that's your moment. I promise you that. And, and can I just give you a fair warning? And you guys know this, but let, let's just all remind ourselves, there's gonna be a lot of competing voices in that moment where it says, there's your person, there's your moment. That's what I want you to do. There's gonna be instant competing voices. And I just want you to recognize those voices, those, yeah, but it'll sound real like, you know, like, am I being a good steward here? And I'm like this, it'll sound like, it's just fear. Fear is never of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and self-control. I had this, I'll close with this. I had this moment in my late 20s. I guarantee you, all of you, if you live long enough, you've had this moment. Um, and it's this constant battle going on. Uh, I don't know about you, but I always get, uh, I used to at least get some anxiety driving up to a stoplight when I would see a homeless person on that corner with the sign up. Cause you got a decision in that moment, right? <laughs> what am I do here? Do you do the look away? The kind of like, do you give him the thumbs up? Like God bless you, right? And he's like, that's not what I need. I don't need a thumb. I need some cash. But I saw a whole bunch of homeless people yesterday particularly, and it always hits harder when it's snowing out. But when I, when I was younger and I didn't fully understand the way I do now, and, and I hope to understand it so much more as I get older, the grace of God and how much every day is a gift and how I possess nothing of my own. I used to have the, the thought in my head when I would see him so I would feel better about the no eye contact I would make. I like, well, I can't give him money. That would be poor stewardship because I'm just gonna pay for them to get drugs or alcohol or to assume, you ever have those talks, like, right? And I heard my parents probably saying that growing up, well, we don't wanna give them money because they're just gonna spend it on drugs and alcohol and all this stuff. And, and then I had this revelation in my late 20s when I was at the street corner and there was a guy out there and I felt the voice of the Holy Spirit, give him some money. I didn't have a whole lot of money in my late 20s at all. At all. So I'm not giving him money, he'll spend it on drugs and alcohol and that wouldn't be good worship. That surely can't be the voice of the Lord. And I just kept hearing this, give him some money. Give him some money. And I finally, not with a great spirit, but begrudgingly, here you go, right? Like that's cash you're just gonna waste on something that's gonna destroy you even more and make it even keep the cycle of homelessness going. We, 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 know, we know the talk. And God's just like, give him the money. Yeah, but, but he's gonna spend it on God. Give him the money. And then I had this, this picture of planet Earth and God through his son Jesus doing a drive-by to planet Earth for 33 years, right? Seeing a bunch of beggars on the side of a rock, on the side of a planet, completely impoverished, completely in need of something that we could not possess on our own, the grace of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the healing of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the mercy of Jesus Christ. You understand we're all homeless people on this thing called planet Earth in need of somebody with real resource to come by and not, not get overwhelmed with if we're gonna spend it poorly or not, but to just come and freely give and trust that out of the, the beauty of that giving, it's gonna revolutionize our hearts. How many of you have been revolutionized by the grace of Jesus Christ? Just put your hand up real quick. Revolutionized by the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. It's like God 
sent Jesus to earth and this did not happen. There's nowhere in the scripture. So please know this as adults when I say this, but this is my mind thinking. It's like God, Jesus getting to planet earth and trying to do the look away. Like God, come on, I cannot give these guys grace. They will completely misuse it, abuse it, not take it serious, not spend it on the right things. God's going, son, give him the money. Give him the blood. Give him the blood. Yeah, but God, no, 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 son. Give them the blood. And, and son, here's the deal. Some of them are gonna spend it really poorly. That's, that's, not, that's not to worry about. But God so trusts the power of love that is shown via generosity that he says, let's just keep giving it away. One act at a time. God's like, you let it go. Let me be in charge of the fruit. You let it go. Let me be in charge of the harvest. You let, your, you let your crops go. You let your surplus go. You, you don't hold tightly to anything you have. When the Holy Spirit says, let it go, you let it go. Whether it's your time, your energy, your finances, your resource, you just let it go and says, God, I'm, I'm in charge of the harvest. You're in charge of the obedience. Can we do this? It's like our lane is just being obedient. Having the guts to be sharers, not hoarders. And God says, I'll take care of the, I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll take care of the big stuff. Who knows? I've given so much money now, $1 at a time, whatever, here at a time, whatever. I got my car, gift cards. I give them, I like to give them like Starbucks cards, right? Because I'm like, oh, they'll walk to Starbucks and get some, some food, some warmth, some coffee, whatever, right? I'm giving so many of those away now. And I don't even think anymore about how they're going to spend it. I just think God told me to. I don't know their story. I don't know what got them there. I'd love to hear all their stories to know what got them there. But here's what I do know. Every breath I have is a gift from God. Everything I possess is a gift from God. And when he says, give it away, listen to me. There is nothing more in your best interest than to give it away. You think the person you're giving it to is about to win? No one wins more than you when you have open hands. No one. So, so, so I, I end with this. I, I've made my point. But could this be a week? where we all say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'm not gonna make you raise your hand because then if you're not gonna do that, you feel shame. That's not it, that's not the goal. If you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet. God loves you deeply, it's okay. God doesn't want you to give out of compulsion. Paul would go on to write a chapter later. He doesn't want to get you to give out of guilt. It says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to walk out of these doors excited like, okay, God, what's my mission? Who's my person? Who's my person? What's my thing? What's my situation? Holy Spirit, show it to me. Trust me, he will. But if we walked out of here like excited, like what are we gonna do this week? Who's our person? And then we start talking like in your life groups or your small groups and you start saying, who was your person? Did you have a person? What did you do here? And then you start telling stories. Listen to what God did and I got to be a part of this. And it's exciting and it's energizing. And that spirit of the church of Macedonia starts to come on the spirit of the church of Forest City and things start to get exciting because generosity is a privilege, like they said. That we would be the church, Forest City, that starts pleading for the privilege to be generous to our city. And again, this isn't me saying we haven't been. But this is me saying, what's next, God? What do you got for us next? What's this next season look like? What could you possibly do through a bunch of, uh, of just, just normal people like us? But when we're all together, we're not normal. You understand that? There's nothing average about a room like this being together and saying we're going to compound our resources that God has given us for his glory. And so I end with this. This is the most important part of the generosity speech at all is some of you may be sitting in here or, or eventually listening online and you've never received 
that generosity that we read about in John 3, 16. And can I just tell you, today's your day. I'm just gonna be bold. Bible says today's the day of salvation. And I'm gonna invite you to do what I did 26, 27 years ago. It's the best thing I ever did is to receive the saving grace of Jesus, to, to be on the receiving end of the most generous thing you will ever receive that will alter, alter your life forever in such beautiful ways. You will never be the same again. I can't prove it to you, but that's okay because right now the Holy Spirit of God is doing what I call, he's wooing your heart right now. Some of you in here have never received the saving work of Jesus and today is your day. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna ask the most important question that we will all ever confront in this lifetime. And the question is this, have you received the saving work of Jesus Christ that he paid freely as a gift for you in your place, not for you to earn anything, not for you to have to strive for anything, but for you with the faith of a little child to just receive it with joy. He wants you to receive salvation with joy today. And listen to me, you qualify, you're breathing, you qualify. Whoever believes, it says, you qualify. It doesn't matter what you walked in here with. It doesn't matter your rap sheet. It doesn't matter your failures. It doesn't matter anything you've done in this life that you regret. Whoever believes in Jesus shall have eternal life and not perish. You are a whoever right now. So if that's you and you would like to uh, receive the saving, forgiving work of Jesus provided to us by his cross, would you just really quickly raise up your hand? Because I want to pray for you. It's an intimate moment. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Jesus sees you right now. Who cares that I do? I'm just seller. I'm just so excited. This is what I live my life for. People receiving the generosity of Jesus. There were hands all over this room this morning. So Jesus, right now, come on church, let's pray for these people that raise their hand. Jesus, would you just now in your kindness fill them with your Holy Spirit to overflowing? Streams, the Bible says, of living water are gonna be coming out of them. Would you start to change the posture of their heart? Would you start to change uh, the, the posture of their minds right now? Would you start to reveal to them, Holy Spirit, Jesus, their, their Savior? Would you start to show to them and help them to start growing in their faith? Would they walk out of these doors feeling so much lighter than they walked in, Jesus? We thank you for a day where so much salvation takes place, and we thank you for a week where so much generosity is going to come out of this place. It is for all your name, Jesus, and all your glory we pray this. And everybody said, grace and peace to you all. If anyone needs prayer after service, there'll be a bunch of people down here that are going to pray for you. We love you guys. Do not miss next week. You've been listening to Chad Brugman with part five of the series titled, Less is More. Thanks for listening.